In 2020, America saw a record number of citizens turn out to vote, with nearly two-thirds of eligible citizens casting their ballots. Things were no different here in Delaware, where precincts up and down our state reported record-shattering numbers. This historic increase in voter turnout is, in part, due to the expansion of mail-in voting and public information campaigns, which were carried out at every level of government to ensure voters knew pertinent information, like deadlines and how and where to vote. This week, I had discussions with Representative David Bentz and Representative Sherry Dorsey-Walker to talk about their legislative efforts to encourage and increase voter participation here in Delaware. I also spoke with voting rights activists and the former policy director at Common Cause Delaware, Jennifer Hill, about barriers to voting and the expansion of voting rights. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, this is Whip Count. Our first guest is Representative Sherry Dorsey-Walker, who represents the 3rd House District in Delaware. Representative Dorsey-Walker, I know you're working on a piece of legislation right now that would allow for same-day voter registration in Delaware. I know the name sounds kind of self-explanatory, but for folks that maybe aren't aware of this, could you explain a little bit of background of same-day voter registration and what this legislation would do for voters? Absolutely. Delaware has never had same-day voter registration. And what I found rather confusing about the whole voting process is the deadlines. And one of the things that actually happened during this whole pandemic is I was able to see for myself, it is so hard to try to remember what day you have to ensure that you have actually registered to vote. And when these dates come upon you and you're in the midst of a pandemic, you're trying to feed your family, you're trying to pay your bills, and you think that you may have already registered to vote, and then you get to the polling place only to find that your registration has been shifted from Republican to Independent or Democratic to Independent, then you're unable to vote in the primary. So I figure... Take, let's take away some of the some of the roadblocks, some of the barriers that exist, and let's just create this same day voter registration. So, what kind of things are you seeing in your own district, or even throughout the state of Delaware, that would suggest that voters are confused about deadlines or confused about the process of registering to vote? Absolutely, those those deadlines. The deadline that says you have to be registered to vote in the primary by, I'm just going to use this as an example, by July 27th. And July 27th may come and go, and the individual thinks he or she has already registered to vote, and they haven't. Or, like I stated, their registration is shifted. Or one of the things I saw in my own district was... I had a constituent who never missed an opportunity to vote. There was some kind of glitch. And they were told, well, you have to go vote at this place. You can't vote here. My constituent was actually at Byard School. Then they told my constituent, you have to go to Pulaski School. This was before the pandemic. Then they get to Pulaski and they're told, no, you have to vote at Byard. And my constituent became so frustrated then they were just like, I'm just not going to vote. And I just said, listen, I'll drive you wherever you need to go just to ensure that you do, that you're not disenfranchised today and you have the opportunity to vote. And that's not an isolated incident. That's up and down the state. So 
if we have same day voter registration, we can eliminate a lot of the frustration that people experience on election day. And then people can feel enfranchised and actually vote. Well, that constituent was certainly very lucky because not everybody is going to run into their state representative or elected official when they're trying to cast their vote. But to alleviate any further confusion, what would a voter need to bring with them to register to vote on Election Day? The individual would just need to ensure that they have their ID. And upon having their ID, they should be able to vote. We've seen definitely a lot of reforms uh, as far as voting goes in the wake of COVID. But do you see a larger window for reform in the post-COVID era? Oh, I absolutely do. Some of the polling places that are super busy, they did not have the same kind of foot traffic this time around because people took advantage of vote by mail. I really commend my colleagues in the General Assembly for ensuring that people could vote safely. Are there other states that have utilized same-day registration? And how has it turned out for them? Can you give me any relevant statistics or tell me how those states are faring? All the states that are currently using same-day voter registration, there has not been any voter fraud. There any of the, any of the talking points from some of the individuals who do not want to enfranchise people, none of that exists. Let's take away the barriers and let's ensure that people can actually vote. I can tell from our conversation that you are definitely passionate about voting rights. What made you so passionate? I'm originally from Delaware, born and raised Wilmingtonian, and my mother was born in Tupelo, Mississippi, and raised in Forest City, Arkansas. And my grandparents were born and raised in Mississippi and moved to Arkansas. And what I saw, what they, the stories that I hear from my family members, and even my family members who lived here in Delaware, people who look like me did not have opportunities to vote. In, in this in this America, in this United mm-hmm. States of America. And for me to be the descendant of individuals who were denied the right to vote, I want to do something with this position that God has given me to ensure that people who look like me, but also other individuals, all people have the right to vote. And I don't think that, and when I think about the history of this country and that there had to actually be a civil rights, a voting rights act in order for African-Americans to vote, it's really unconscionable when you think about it, that people did not want black people to vote. So what, where I am in my journey is, I know my history because it's been taught to me. And I want to ensure that we shift the culture and that we shift the dynamics of what transpired in the past and that we have a brighter future. And voting is one of those ways that we can make that happen. That story is very powerful to hear. And we just spoke about the evolution of voting rights and how they've been expanded over the last century. Do you see any parallels between the civil rights era reforms and what's going on today with voting reforms? Yes, unfortunately. It seems like some, in some ways, some states went backwards. But I'm proud to say that the first state is moving forward because we have a General Assembly 
who sincerely cares about all people. Certainly, there's legislators right now that are working on bills to make it easier to vote and remove these barriers for folks. But do you see any social barriers to voting? And if so, how can we address those as a society? There are plenty of social barriers to voting. A lot of times when people vote and they feel like, oh, my vote didn't count. This particular election, 2008, that election, I think what people are seeing is my vote does matter. But for so long, when people would go to the polls and they're told, well, you can't vote because you're a felon. If you've served your debt to society, you should be able to vote. And that's the bottom line. There are some states, (laughs) Vermont allows people to vote from prison. Why can't, see, that's another thing that we could potentially be pursuing at a later date. Let's just get the same day voter registration Mm -hmm. done right now. But let's look at some other ways that we can enfranchise people. Those who are serving time for child support, I'm not sure that their vote should be taken away from them. Actually, I know it shouldn't be taken away from them. We need to look at ways that we can really shift the dynamics because we don't want to create a whole new Jim Crow system. And same-day voter registration eliminates a lot of those barriers that have existed in the past. This has been a really great conversation about voting rights, expanding voting rights, breaking down barriers. Do you have any closing thoughts? I am looking forward to passing same-day voter registration with the help of my colleagues in the General Assembly and look forward to making the necessary reforms in our state by working together. I'm joined now by Jennifer Hill, who was the former policy director at Common Cause Delaware and has been a voting rights activist for many years. Jennifer, I was hoping we could kick this conversation off by talking a little bit about your background and how you got into voting rights. Sure. Um... I was the Common Cause um, program director and lobbyist from 2017 to 2020. I came to the job because I had been working uh, for Governor Markell for five years as the director of constituent relations, and I was interested in continuing working with the public on issues that that I'm concerned about. So um, we immediately, when I came to the state, we had just been able to stop a call for a constitutional convention. But there was a lot of things I noticed as I took the job in terms of the elections and voting that could be improved upon. So we started working on that right away. I've been working in um, public advocacy with low-income voters for many years. I think the first year I was registering low-income voters was around 2006. And so I've been working with Uh, advocates in the poverty field to help people um, both learn how to advocate for themselves, but also how, you know, what the system is, how to vote, how to register, how to make sure, you know, you, when you show up, what to do if there's something wrong. So I have been doing that for many years. And while you were out there in the field, um, as you mentioned, you were working in constituents, you were working with low-income voters. What did you see as the biggest barriers to voting for them? Uh, just lack of the information about the system. They really didn't. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that voting, like registering to vote, especially communities that have been traditionally disenfranchised, that registering to vote is not very difficult. And there is not a, at least 
an, an intrusive amount of personal information required. Uh, I think there's a lot of myths around um, people's information being used or shared in an inappropriate way. So people are nervous about that. And also just the fact that people don't realize that, hey, you can register when you go get a driver's license or just the different opportunities that are there because they just aren't like us every day. We think about and talk about how the, how government is and how it could be better. But for regular people who don't do that every day, a lot of these details are just a mystery to them. A few of our representatives are working on bills for the 151st General Assembly, which look to increase voter participation and expand voting rights. Bills such as same-day voter registration, consolidating the primaries, and no-excuse absentee voting. Why are these measures important? Well, um, obviously, we know the history, the fraud history of voting and voter registration in our country. And there's been times when, you know, we've understood that there are large amounts of our population or people in our population who really weren't voting or who weren't able to vote. And so we've been constantly moving forward. And I think Delaware overall has done a pretty good job. But now I think in the era of people realizing how important it is that everybody be able to vote and share their, you know, vote on who they want to run the government. I think it's more important than ever. And I think that even at uh, voter registration totals, and this is one of the things I was arguing to both legislators and to the Department of Elections, that why shouldn't we have 100% of eligible people who are eligible to re- you know, register to vote be registered? And what would be wrong with that? Right. <laughs> and um, so that is why we were proposing a series of new you know, measures such as automatic voter registration, same-day voter registration, and other methods of voting as well, early voting, absentee, no-excuse absentee. So we were recommending all of those things as a package to improve and expand voter participation. I'm sure that in your work with lobbying and advocating for voter rights, you saw data from other states that have enacted similar measures. Can you tell me anything about those states and if if their measures have been working to increase turnout? What I can say is that states that have had voter, you know, for example, have had all-male vote for a long time. Um, They do have higher voter participation rates. You know, Colorado and Oregon, for example, have like 80 to 90 percent voter participation rates. And in some municipalities who have having who have been having vote by mail or absentee, no excuse absentee, it's the same thing basically. But they have like a ninety percent or above participation rates in municipalities. So it's a very successful program. I know also that in states uh, where the primaries have been consolidated, that has improved voter participation. So I do think that there is especially in a presidential year in Delaware, I do agree that it is confusing for the voters that we have two primaries. And I think that one primary would definitely, you know, help people to see what was, you know, oh, I can vote now. And then, no, I don't have to go back and vote again. I I know that other states, I mean, Delaware is one of the few states that has this bifurcated primary. So I, I do think that that is probably 
going to help if they can get it passed. You were discussing vote by mail earlier. I know that that was one of the big reforms, the temporary reforms, albeit during COVID. Do you think that the kind of temporary reforms we saw passed just for this voting cycle with the pandemic, do you think that those can build momentum and enact larger change? Well, I know that um, no excuse absentees in Delaware did pass the General Assembly once, and, and now it's going to be coming back for uh, it has to be passed into consecutive General Assemblies, and I believe it will pass this year. And it will effectively, once the enabling legislation passes, it will effectively be no, you know, mail by vote. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but it will definitely, I do believe they're, especially after the pandemic, that voters and legislators understand how important it is to be able, for folks to be able to have an option when they can't be there in person. And Yeah, I think, um, and, you know, I was actually looking at the total of, like, voters in person versus uh, mail vote in Delaware, and it was a significant number of mail votes compared to the past years. So it did help people who didn't want to come out vote. And so I believe that if it became a regular feature of Delaware's voting, you would see an increased percentage of voters choosing that over time. Because not just because of the pandemic, but then for other reasons, like I can't be there or I don't have a ride or all of the other reasons that voters don't often make it to the polls. Right. 13 hours is a pretty narrow window to give everybody to cast their votes, especially when you factor in the long lines and understaffed locations. I just wanted to close out our conversation by posing this question. I know the argument against these reforms is people saying, If it's not broken, don't fix it. This is what we've been doing for years, and they don't see an issue with it. What would you say to those people? What would you say to that argument? Well, what I said when I testified in the budget hearing before we left was that Delaware had been allocated $3 million by the federal government to improve, you know, security around the election. And what I suggested was that that money be used for contingency planning in the event of some sort of catastrophe, and we had it. it. Right. I think that it happens, you know what I mean? Those are the types of things that you don't know are going to happen. And because elections are really the central, most organizing, you know what I mean, most participated part of our system, we need to make sure it's accessible. And so, therefore, you don't ever know what's going to happen. I mean, we could have had a hurricane as well and had all power been knocked out. You know, we don't know if we would have been able to connect to the Internet so that we could have the poll books working. And we don't know, you know, how the voting machines would have worked, because even though there's a backup power system, you know, would that have been sufficient? So there's, an, you know, there's a lot of reasons. So we need to make sure that voting is always, you know, accessible and the state needs to be prepared. And that's what I would argue. That's a really great point. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? Today? Um, just that, you know, also on... Um, Same-day voter registration, I wanted to mention that Delaware's voter registration as a percentage of the population slightly dropped this year. And I do believe that um, we need to either have automatic or same-day registration. Um, Obviously, in the pandemic year, it would have been way more difficult to do same-day registration because we were trying to minimize people's time, you know, inside of the, the voting, you know, in the location, in the polling place. 
So, uh, but voter, but automatic voter registration would, you know, eliminate that worry as well. So those two things could have really helped even increase turnout because, you know, I mean, increase voter registration because Delaware is a growing state, right? And we have a lot more people coming here. And so we've got to find a way to make sure that everybody gets their chance to register to vote. Joining me now is Representative David Bentz, who is currently working on a bill which would allow for no-excuse absentee voting here in Delaware. Representative Bentz, could you talk a little bit about your bill and the process of no-excuse absentee voting? So this is the second leg of a constitutional amendment to remove required, I guess, excuses for voting absentee. Right now in Delaware, um, there's a list of approved excuses for voting absentee in our state constitution. And in the last General Assembly, the 150th, we passed a bill, um, which was the first leg of this constitutional amendment to remove those. And this is the second leg of it because to amend the constitution in Delaware, you know, an amendment has to pass in two uh, consecutive General Assemblies. So this is just really finishing up the work that we started last year to go into our constitution and amend out those excuses, those approved excuses so that we could have a no excuse absentee system here in Delaware. We know that vote by mail was temporarily expanded as a response to COVID here in Delaware. And certainly you could use COVID as a valid excuse for voting by mail. But why do we need to continue working on vote by mail in the post-COVID era? Well, I mean, it's about convenience. It's about modernizing our elections. It's about, you know, making sure that people can vote the way they want to vote. Um, You know, you just don't want to provide, uh, put hurdles up, unnecessary hurdles in place to prevent people from voting. Um, at least that's the idea behind these bills. Um, and it really is about making sure everybody can access the polls in a way that's convenient for them, in a way that makes sense for them, in a way that fits into their schedule. Um, and, and this, again, is, is I, I think one of the things you can look at holistically about a lot of these efforts to you know, update voting is it's really about modernizing our elections. And COVID-19 really forced our hand in a lot of ways to figure out new ways to vote so you weren't just sending everybody into a school or something like that. Um, but what this does is it is it really takes something that was a trend we were already heading in that direction before COVID is to really give people options, give people choices in how they voted in a, in a way that was going to be convenient for them. And, and it really represents a real modernization of this process, a process that is, was largely unchanged for you know a long time and sort of didn't keep up with the times, didn't keep up with change in society and culture. And what we're trying to do here is really Uh, take a new look at that and make sure that we're continuing to update these systems so that they continue to work for people. You just mentioned a few hurdles to voting, but I'm curious, what do you see as the biggest hurdle and can it be addressed with policy changes? Well, the biggest barrier in 2020 was obviously COVID-19 and it was how do you sort of make sure people feel safe going out to vote. But I think in a a COVID-19 absent world, which hopefully we will find ourselves in in 2022, hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to go, if we don't do things like this, it's going to go back to being the same barriers that there was before, which is people's schedules not allowing them to get into the polls, you know, between, you know, 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. If you're somebody who has an unpredictable work schedule, if you're somebody who, you know, has anything that could sort of pop up on election day and kind of derail their entire day. I mean, I, I have, you know, I have two small children you wake up one of them sick and your day's kind of shot. So you kind of know, you know, what we're trying to do here is allow you to sort of prepare for the unexpected, um, you know, prepare for the unpredictable nature of your life, if that's the way it is. 
um, so that you're not sitting there saying to yourself, well, I'll go vote in the afternoon on election day and then you get called into work. Or I'll go vote at this time of day, you have the best laid plan possible to get out there and vote, but then life throws you a curveball and suddenly you can't do it. So what we're trying to do is just give people multiple avenues and flexibility so that they can kind of prepare for that. And not everything is, is all about your day going as planned on election day. And that those are the sort of things that derail people now. And I think, you know, we're trying to make sure that that's not something that that can be, that's, that's not fair. That's, that shouldn't be something that stops somebody from voting. Shouldn't be, well, you know, something happened that day that I was totally out of my control and then I missed my opportunity. I can certainly appreciate how long lines could be a deterrent for a lot of people. I think we all saw at some point during this election cycle, whether it be the primary or general elections, of folks across the country facing upwards of eight-hour wait times. We know that there are other states out there that have some form of no-excuse absentee or vote-by-mail measures already in place. What can you tell me about those states? Are they generally seeing higher turnouts? Are the voters enjoying these features? It's certainly been working. I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel here on our own. This is something that we've actually lagged behind in a lot of ways. And part, part of the reasons why we've lagged behind some of this is because we have really, we've had our hands tied by this constitutional language, which has really prevented us from changing statute and changing the law uh, to, to do a lot of this stuff. And, and clearing this, this language out of the Constitution will allow us to kind of customize our elections the way we want to see them here in Delaware. Um, but this isn't new. None of these things that we're proposing here is new. Vote by mail, early voting, no excuse absentee voting, same day registration, whatever it is that we're talking about doing here. Um, with some collection of bills is stuff that's been done elsewhere. Uh, and the elections that they have in those places are just as secure. They're just as um, safe. You touched on this point earlier, but I just wanted to expand it a little bit. We know that there are people out there who are claiming by introducing these ways to vote, we are vulnerable to fraud or other mischief. Is there any validity to that? Well, I would say that that is, fraud is an unfounded fear. Right. I mean, we, we just don't see it in any sort of real volume in a way that actually could possibly impact election results. I mean, every year you see it, it's a handful of instances in, in elections where, you know, hundreds of millions of votes are cast nationwide. So it's something to you don't want to expose yourself and create vulnerabilities to fraud. But what we've seen are these same policies go in place elsewhere and no increased instances of fraud, no, no increased instances of bad actors doing their thing. And um, it, it's really, it's something you, you want to keep your eye out for, but there's really no reason to believe it's happening in any sort of uh, wholesale way, despite what we hear from some people who uh, feel like they want to lie about it uh, and make it an issue when it really isn't. In Delaware, we do have safeguards in place to prevent against fraud and ensure that the Department of Elections receives our vote. Can you take us through the process of vote by mail? Take us through requesting your ballot to seeing that it's been counted. Yeah, so we, we saw this, you know, in, in this past election where you have this unique identifier on your ballot, you know, as it arrives to you, it there's a barcode on it, that sort of thing that is uniquely identified to you. And once that gets, once you receive that, and once you fill it out and send it back, it goes into a tracking system. Actually, even before that, it goes into a tracking system the minute you ask for it and apply for it. And then the Department of Elections has set up this portal where you can actually see when they've received your application, when they put the ballot in the mail for you. Um, you can then see when you've sent it back and when it's been received and then when it's been um, completed, so to speak, or counted or, or, or where they've confirmed that they've received it. So, you know, th there's this process where, where there's eyes on the ballot the entire way through this tracking system. 
and unique identifiers along the way, whether it be your signature or whether it be the barcode that's attached to your name um, that, that goes out to you. Uh, and the protections in place so that once that, that ballot's been counted, once that ballot's been received by the Department of Elections and is in their hand, it's checked off so that then if you are somebody who's trying to vote twice by then going to the polls in person, that the poll workers are going to see, well, we already have your ballot that you've received in the mail. You've already voted absentee or something like that. So we have all these safeguards in place because we have eyes on the ballot throughout the entire system. So it's not something where you can return a ballot Department of Elections can get it, and then you can go vote again in person and get the vote twice, because we kind of have eyes on you the entire way. We know now that voting by mail and no excuse absentee voting is safe. I believe even in Delaware, we have a portal where you can go in and you can track your ballot from the time you get it and make sure that it is counted. It is with the Department of Elections. So my question is, how do we combat the misinformation out there that voting by mail isn't safe there's no way to see if your vote has been counted, et cetera. Yeah, no, it was really great because, you know, you know, I voted by mail this past election and it was, it was a new experience for me. I've always voted in person. So there is, I get it, a little bit of worry, um, especially when we heard about some things with the volume of mail and whether it was going to slow things down. And I, I remember sending it back and I was like, well, I'm going to make sure. So I went in and tracked it along the way and saw when they had received it and saw when, when it had been sort of locked in, so to speak, that, that you know, my vote had been received and that you know, I, I didn't have to worry about having to go out on election day or worry that they hadn't received it. The, the allegations of, of, of fraud are, are tough to sort of deal with because they're just completely fabricated. You know, how, how do you make somebody comfortable? How do you make people feel secure that there's not fraud going on where you just show them the facts? And you see the people who are making these allegations, there's really no significant data to back it up. There's no significant data of widespread fraud. I mean, you hear these instances every election of maybe a dozen here or, or, you know, something going on here, but not in the thousands, not in the, the way that's needed to actually impact the results of elections. So as far as combating that, you know, it's just about showing people the data to show that this isn't, this is a very microscopic issue. You know, you're talking about a handful of, of ballots in, you know, elections that happen nationwide where hundreds of millions of people voted. So it's just not, it's, that's how you kind of combat that part. As far as the security and then people knowing that their ballot is getting from them, back to the Department of Elections, well, it's about being as transparent as possible. It's, it's having those, those online portals that the Department of Elections set up so that you can see it. You can track it the same way you, you track your Amazon package or your, your FedEx delivery, where it's, it's very transparent. You know exactly where it is in the process. And then if something goes wrong or if you feel like it's taking too long to get there and you wonder why haven't they gotten it, well, you can call in and say, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm wondering about the status of my ballot. Um, and then you know whether it's gotten lost or something like that. It's about transparency. And I think that the way we ran this last election where all that was sort of easily accessible by just logging on to the Department of Elections website, you know, typing in your, your birth date and driver's license number, and you could track all that. It, it just made it very easy for people to hopefully get comfortable with it um, because they could keep eyes and track their ballot through, through the entire process. Do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, you know, my, it's just really to get back to this point that, that really what we're trying to do is take a lot of things that have worked. You know, like I said, Delaware is not the first to do this. We're not pioneering a lot of this. Uh, these are things that have happened in, in across the country, different ways for people to vote. They are tested. Uh, they are dependable. They are reliable. And what we're trying to do is make sure we're offering the same convenience, the same easy access to the polls to our citizens here in Delaware that, that you know, other Americans across the country already have access to. 
Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. You can find us on Facebook at DE House Dems, on Instagram at DE House Dems, and on Twitter, also DE House Dems. Make sure you subscribe because more episodes are coming. <laughs>